of Leviticus. One of the five books of the Pentateuch. And we're going to start there in the 23rd chapter. If you have your phone or your electronic device, you might want to download our app, the Winning Church app. You will find some notes there, just some. Hallelujah. So we said at the beginning of the year we'll thrive and explore in 2024. And this uh, month we're exploring first fruit giving. And so today I want to basically, uh, last week we talked about the significance and the blessings of first fruit. Why is this subject important and what does it mean to us today? So I kind of want to, you know, go back to the beginning of it and expound on it and basically kind of go a little bit deeper in it because as a whole, many churches do not talk about first fruits. Now, you'll be in some Bible-believing church that talk about offerings and tithes. And um, in the Bible, many times when it says offerings, it's got an S on it. And a lot of times when they say tithes, it's got an S too. And first fruits. Okay? First fruits. So that's a possibility that there will be more than one first fruit. And then when we read in the Bible, it says the first of the first fruit. That means that you're going to have a continuation. Because if you've got a first, that might perhaps be a second, a third, or fourth, or fifth, or sixth. Everybody kind of understanding what I'm saying? So, there is teachings about first fruit, but everybody is not talking about it. Now, some people are not going to participate in first fruit, number one, because they've probably never been taught. Number two, they may have been taught, but they say, I ain't doing it no way. And then number three, they may just be totally ignorant of it and don't even know. So one of those three reasons why you don't participate in first fruits. Now today I'm going to talk about it in principle, but I want to go back and give you like a historical account. It ain't going to be boring or nothing like that, but to kind of uh, let you in on how all of this kind of got started and um, how it applies to us today. Okay? So that's why we say we're exploring. We're searching, we're discovering, we're looking for nuggets, things that we can better our relationship and our walk with God. Uh, just because something new or you never heard it before don't mean that it's not true. There's a lot of things that we're still discovering from the word of God. You can read the same scripture and you can come right back the next week and discover something else about that scripture. 
That's just how scripture is. It'll birth on you. You'll start uh, finding out more things within that verse of scripture that you didn't see before. And so today I want to end it with the feast of first fruits. Say that with me, the feast of first fruits. Now that is a thing in the Bible where they had the feast of first fruit. Leviticus the 23rd chapter, if you will turn there. Now, if you could go back in time and remember some of your firsts, or if you are anticipating some firsts, what might they be? Your first job, your first paycheck, your first car, your first home, your first kiss. Some of y'all say, I really don't want to remember that, Bishop. Oh, okay, well, your first kiss with your spouse. How about that? Your first win in something. The first time you were told, I love you. The first driving alone experience. The first time you stayed home alone. There are many firsts in your life. Some you can recall and some you can't. And we can go on and on and list, you know, a lot of the first. But first, assuming they, they, they are wanted, are great and fun and excited and memorable, we may even sit back and smile at some of those great moments in our lives. Today, we're talking about the third of the seven feasts of Israel. All right? There is the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But today we're looking at the Feast of First Fruits. These first three feasts all occur at about the same time. So let's look at the Feast of First Fruits. Uh, we'll look at a passage from the book of Leviticus 23. Let's go to verse 9. Now, if you don't have it, it'll be on the screen. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give you and reap its uh, harvest, reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of the harvest to the priests. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And on the day when you wave the sheep, you shall offer a male lamb, a year old, without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. And the grain offering with it shall be four quarts of fine flour mixed with oil, a food offering to the Lord with a, ble a pleasing aroma, a drink offering with it shall be of wine, one quart of wine, and you shall eat neither bread nor grain parched or fresh until this same day, until you have brought the offering of your God. It is a statue forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. Now, when we talk about the principle, we know that what we use today is not what they use today, but the principle 
still applies. Here they're talking about all the things that they will gain at the first of the year, so to speak, and whenever uh, their crops or everything would uh, become mature, that the first of the first would be given to the Lord. And I'm talking slow so that you can understand what I'm saying so when I get ready to speed up, you'll be with me. All right? So the thought for some who teach first fruit, and I told you first fruit is for those that we're going to, that are maturing, those that want to grow. The thought is, is that if you brought it up to date, it would be like giving your first check of the year, the whole check to the Lord. But I know some people haven't gotten there yet and you never looked at it and you never thought about it or anything else. But I just want that to marinate in your spirit for me because I'm getting ready to teach. Don't leave because then you'll be like, I'm mad. I ain't giving you nothing. So that's the background for the first, the feast of, of, of first fruit. As we've been doing, I'll, I'll talk about what the feast day was about its significance to the Jewish people and what it means for us today as it relates to Jesus. This festival is not found in Exodus where the first two feasts were first commanded by God. For the Jewish people as they were traveling in the desert looking to enter the promised land of Israel is when God ordained this feast. Now, that's an opportunity or important distinction because there was a sense that this was a future-oriented holiday. It's like telling kids we're going to have a new school holiday and it's going to be a celebration, but we're not going to start for about five years. So the command was given to them while they were in the wilderness and it could not be celebrated until they entered, in, entered the land. So God told them about it, but they would have to wait to do it. And so they were told about it, understood how to celebrate it, but it wasn't going to happen yet. And maybe there was a mix of hope and frustration. They knew what was coming. But they had not attained it yet. Ooh, I, I felt something on that. Some of you, you know the promise that God made you. You know it's coming. But you haven't obtained it yet. So, Bishop, what about it do? Uh, meanwhile, while I know what he told me, but I haven't obtained it yet, what should I do in the meantime? In the meantime, you still need to be celebrating and thanking God for it. You remember Abraham? 
God told him that he was going to have the promised son at 75. But he didn't have the son until he was 100. That's 25 years. The Bible said that Abraham was praising God all the time. He didn't get upset. He didn't get mad. He didn't throw a temper tantrum. He didn't uh, fuss at God and argue with God. God, you promised me at 75. I'm 76 years old. That's a whole year. No, he didn't do none of that. He just knew what God had told him to do, even though he hadn't obtained it yet. But he waited with great expectation. Now, my question for you this morning, how many of you are waiting with great expectation today? So they knew their present situation, but were promised a world with more which was still to come. Now, this feast was a promise from God that he will bring them to where he wants them to be. God has made a promise to us that he's going to bring us to where he wants us to be. Each one of us in our individual homes, our individual places, he has given us a promise to a place where he wants us to be. And it's up to us to follow that. Now, to celebrate this feast, they were to give a sheaf of the first fruit to the priest, a portion. In other words, they got a bundle of the harvest and brought it to the priest. Now, in Israel, grains were planted in the fall. They germinated in the ground through the winter and shot up as soon as the, winter, the weather got warm and ripened in the spring. Barley first and then the wheat. Uh-huh. And so they, then the, the, for the thrashing. But harvesting or eating into the grain was not permitted until a single sheep was brought to the priest at sunrise on the first day of the feast of first fruits. You could not eat it until the first part was given to God. And so the priest would then wave these sheep before the Lord, this wave offering was uh, prescribed by God as a symbol that God would ensure that the remainder or reminder, the remainder of the harvest would be realized in the days that follow. So in other words, when you gave God your first part, he said that everything after that would be blessed. You did it first so that your remainder can have the blessing on it. Say that with me. I need my remainder to be blessed. So if you're taking notes... Write this down. The first fruits were always the choicest, the first, the best, the preeminent of all that was to follow. So God always get the first and the best. So they were holy to the Lord and so they were to be set aside and presented as the first fruits to him. See, the farmer would stop after this first part of the harvest and dedicate it to the Lord. Here it is. 
The Lord always received the first because it was a gift from him. Some of you are going to miss that. God always received the first because it was a gift from who? So if he gave you the gift, he deserves the first. If it came from God, he deserves the first. If it came from God, he has the right to take all of it, but that ain't what he has. He said, make sure you give me the first part. And I'm going to bless the remainder so you can keep on blessing me. And so some of the main principles which we see in the feast are there are three main principles associated with the feast of first fruits. The first one is the offering of the very best. Say that with me, the offering of the very best. Now, in, in, in the feast of the first fruit, you always pick out your best to bring to the Lord. And as we've already discussed briefly, the whole concept of the first fruit is that it is not only the first, it is the very best. You don't give God just the first of things that in that first month, not only just the first, but the very best. Say that with me. I must give God first and the very best. Now, when the farmer went out to cut the single sheep that was to be presented before the Lord, he took great care to make sure that it was the very best from among his crops. Now, I told you that we don't operate in that type of system today where we go to the farmer's market and we make trades. I have something, you have something. You may have something like meat which from come from goat and sheep and from cattle and I might have something that come from grain. I got wheat, I got corn, I got all these other things and so when we go we do an exchange. It's a medium of exchange. Now money is a medium of exchange but the same principle applies. You got it? So the first thing in the Feast of First Fruit, I got to understand, is that the offering, I got to get the offering of the very best. You got it? Number two, the promise of a future harvest. So when I give God the first of the first fruit, I'm going to, God gave me a promise of a future harvest. Now, how you know you're going to realize this promise or receive this promise of the future unless you participate. That don't work. That don't work. What well, did you give God the first of the first fruit? No, it ain't working for you. You didn't give him the first of the first fruit. It can't work for you. Duh. So when the offering of the first fruit of the crop was made to God, it represented, watch this, hear me now, this offering represented a prayer to him to watch over the future harvest that was about to be commenced. Ooh, I like that. So when you give it like a prayer for God to watch over your future, because you don't know what your future holds. But God knows what the future holds. 
So if the future says this is in the way, God can stop it before it gets to you. You didn't never see what the enemy had in store for you, but God saw it and he calls you to go around it and you never saw it. So I got to send up this prayer with my first fruit because I need God to watch over my future. How many of you need God to watch over your future harvest? What you know that you, uh, after you have sown, you will reap what you sow. So when you sow, you reap a harvest. Some of y'all got big harvest coming, and it's for your future. That's why you sow the way you sow. Quit looking at folk that they sow, and you mad at them. If you want to get their harvest, you ought to sow like this sow. Now, hear me clear. It's not the amount that you give that it's about you giving it from your heart. God know what you can give and he know what you can't give. God know whether you're faking. God know whether you're cheating. God know whether you can do more and you don't do it. He know when you go above and beyond. He know whether you're making a sacrifice or not. You can't fool God, so you need to do it from your heart. You need to ask God, God, what you want me to do? Like that widow woman, I ain't got the two mites. God, what you want me to do with them? She figured in my hand, I ain't going to get very much. But these two mice in God's hand. I got a few of you all are happy. All right. All right, number three. When we practice this first fruit thing, it calls it to be holy. It is holy to the Lord, and it makes the whole thing holy. So it's the making of making of holy of the whole. So the sheep that were brought as an offering to the Lord represents the entire crop. So when you give the first of the first, it's like get, like representing all of the whole thing that you're gonna give in the future of what your future crops gonna look like. It represents the whole thing. God said your first part represents everything you got going on about you. So my first got to be right so my latter can be good. My first part of my crop that I give is going to bless the whole area. So if my household kind of looks shaky, if I be the representation of the first part, I'm going to wind up blessing my whole household and they don't even know it, but I'm the blessing that's in the house. Who are you in here that's a blessing of your house? You represent the first part would represent the entire crop of your house. So when my wife don't want to do it, if I do it, I bless her. If I don't want to do it, she do it, then she blesses me. When my children don't want to do it and I do it, it blesses the whole household because the first represent the entire thing. Some folk walk around your house, bless and don't even know why.
So when the temple was still standing, the ancient observance of this feast was quite an elaborate ceremony that took place after sunrise on the prescribed date for the feast. So the Talmud states that a group of Jewish pilgrims carry their offerings of first fruit would be of uh, would, would, would meet at the edge of the city by the priest. So they would get it and they'd go to the edge of the city and they'd bring it and be in this big old thing like the big old basket would represent the first part of a whole lot of stuff that was in that basket. Are you following me? Who would then lead them into a joyful procession. So they would bring their first food and they would basically get in line and they would start marching around the city with music and songs of praise and dance up to the temple mount. And as the group of the worshipers arrived at the temple compound, the priest would take the sheaves, lift some in the air and wave them in every direction. So when he waved it in every direction, when he took your, he waved it in every direction, that means that your blessings are going to be coming from every direction. Not from just one source, but you're going to have multiple sources and multiple areas where the blessings are going to come your way. And some of them, you, can't, you know, you can't even plan for this. And that's why the Bible says that he is a God of more than enough. He's El Shaddai. He gives you more than enough. He gives you the overflow until you can't contain all of it. What are you telling me, Bishop? Yes, you're going to have so much, you got to give it away. <laughs> so this was a symbolic acknowledgement by the whole crowd of God's provision and uh, his sovereignty over all the earth. So I get this. The whole concept First fruit is that it is not only the first, but it is the very best. I said that once before, and I said it again because that's very important. So when the farmer went out to cut the single sheep that was to be presented before the Lord, he took great care to make sure that it was the very best from among his crop. And so the farmer would not take the scrawniest part, but the best part. In other words, he wouldn't give the leftovers. He would take the best part. Are you hearing me? When you want to bless people, don't just give them the leftover part. Give them the best part. You just bake the cake. Give them the first slice of the cake. Oh, I done messed up now. You look how y'all looking at me. Look how y'all looking at me. So when the offering of the first fruit was made to God, it represented a prayer to him to watch over the future harvest that had just begun. Now, one of the main aspects of the feast of first fruit is that it anticipated the future harvest that was represented by the single sheep that was brought before the Lord as an offering. And the sheep that was brought as an offering to the Lord represented the entire crop. I want you to get this. By offering the portion to the Lord... It set aside the entire harvest as being consecrated to the Lord. And because of this, it was made holy. And so the people of God were to know that they 
owed their best to God. It was a recognition that everything they had came from God. When you give your best to God, you let God know, hey, I recognize that everything came from you. I didn't do this on my own. I didn't wake myself up this morning. I didn't put blood in my veins. I didn't make my heart beat on his own. I didn't get myself up this morning. I didn't have the activity of my limb. God did this. Now, I understand. I understand. It was risky for, to offer the first of their harvest to God. And who knew if there would be more harvest. But in doing so, they were to learn faith and trust in God who proved his faithfulness over and over again. Y'all say, so as I look back over my life, I could see how your love has guided me. Even though I done wrong, you never left me alone. You forgave me? Huh? So this I recall in my mind that we have hope. It's because of his mercy that we are not consumed. Why? Great is thy faithfulness. Now you can say what you want, but God been faithful to us. You can say what you want, but God been faithful to us. To me, to you. He's always faithful. We need to be faithful to God. Got a question for you. Can God count on you to be faithful to him? And so over and over again, God proves himself that if you would do your part, I would do my part. He made you a promise. He's a promise-keeping God. He said, give and it shall be given unto you. Huh? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall me give it unto that bit? I'm telling you, God keeps his promise. Now, for this too, this reminds us that we don't just give our leftovers, but we are to give God the first and the best. We will not give God leftovers. We will give God our first and our best. Say it with me. I will give God my first and my best. So we also learned that at some point in Israel history, God's people had lapsed in 2 Chronicles 31, 4 through 6. You don't have to turn there. We read of King Hezekiah organizing the people to obey this command again. And they were out of fellowship with God when they did not celebrate the feast. Why is this important? That they were out of fellowship with God when they didn't celebrate this feast. Because of what it represented. It was like a prayer to God that God you always blesses me. And I'm looking to you. To make sure that my latter part will be blessed from my first. So in Proverbs 3, 9 
and 10, we read, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Y'all see that? And I know some, some of your verses say substance. He's talking about what you already have, have your wealth and the first fruits of your produce. Now, wealth is something you already have. And then your bonds will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with. All because you thought about God first and gave him your best. So we see how life works best when we bring the first fruit to God and honor him. It's about honoring God. Ain't got nothing to do with you saying, well, I don't know all of this stuff. That No, it's got to do with honoring God. Either you honor him or you don't. Are you hearing me? And so we see how life works best when we bring the first fruits of God in honor. This was the bigger principle behind this offering. Now, we can see where Jesus comes in and fulfills this feast. Jesus fulfilled the feast of the first fruit through his resurrection. The apostle Paul very clearly links the resurrection of Jesus to the feast of first fruit. In 1 Corinthians 15, see now I don't talk about the Old Testament, but I'm bringing it up to the New Testament. Paul wrote, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Ooh, I like that. Watch this. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ, the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. In order to see how Jesus fulfilled the first fruits through his resurrection, we can look at his death and resurrection. So the gospel record that Christ died a day before the Sabbath. According to Mark 15 and 42, you ain't got to uh, 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 turn there, but write that down. Mark 15 and 42, it records that Christ died a day before the Sabbath. So he died during Passover week, during the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And this means the resurrection of Christ occurred on the day after the Sabbath, on the day of the offering of the first fruits of the Passover harvest. And Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrected life, which is what Paul is telling us in this passage. So through the work of the Holy Spirit, the church is united to Christ. And Paul tells us in Romans 8 and 23, put it up on the screen, it says, And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Y'all see that in your Bible? Grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons and the redemption of our body. And then in James 1 and 18, he wrote, of his own will he, will he brought, will he brought us, us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So as believers in Christ, we are the first fruits as well. I told you about a monetary, a type of giving from the, uh, the things from the earth, from the things that God has given you, the things that you have accumulated. But here we see that we ourselves are a type of first fruit when we become believers in Christ. I don't mean to mix you up, but I got to show you this in the scripture. Are you still following me? 
So say that with me, I'm a type of first fruit. So we are God's new creation because we've embraced Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so now we're adopted into the family of God, called his children, holy and dearly loved. And we gain a full uh, inheritance, one that will never perish, never spoil, never fade. And that's God's promise to us. So as our first fruit, Jesus was offering himself up as the very best possible offering. So we are a type of first fruit. Jesus is a type of first fruit. And he gave his life up for us. Unlike the blood of animals of the waving of the grain offering, his sacrifice paid the penalty of our sins permanently. So the fact that Jesus arose from the grave is our guarantee that one day all of us who have placed their faith and trust in him will also experience resurrection. And so Jesus is the first fruit that provides a promise of a future harvest of those that believe. Just like it was natural, then it is spiritual. Uh-huh. Jesus represents the first of the harvest that is to come. I got to say that again. Jesus represents the first of the harvest that is to come. That's why he died on the cross. The seed, he was the seed that died so that we could be alive. And he represents the first of the entire people that's going to be saved after he left and went back to the Father. Now that he is a first fruit and we are a type of first fruit that came from him. As our first fruit, Jesus is our substitute before God and has made us holy before God. You don't believe it? You don't believe it? Look at 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him... We might become, I'm reading it slow, the righteousness of God. You're not going to eternal heaven because you did everything right. You're not going to eternal heaven because you are righteous and you do everything and you are perfect and you did, I'm not perfect, I ain't, I ain't done nothing wrong. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. You are not righteous because you are righteous on your own. We became righteous because of Jesus. I stand here righteous not because of what Hobby B has done or have not done. It's because of what Jesus did. He shed his blood on Calvary. And I stand righteous before God because he don't see Hobby B. He see the blood. Woo! We became the righteousness of God. Because of our faith in Jesus, we are considered holy before God. Not because of what we did, but because of what Jesus did for us. God now counts us as righteous. Would you look down your row and say you have been counted righteous if you believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior? Tell them, say, you have become righteous. Not of your own accord, but because of what Jesus did. Thank God for Jesus. 
He did it on the cross. And I'm glad about it. So glad about it. So, it's similar to what the priest did when he waved the first sheave of barley as the entire harvest was made holy through that waving of the single sheep. Jesus is represented as the single sheep. He was the single one that blessed the multiple ones. So after him, whoever accepts him will become the righteousness of God. Are you following me? This kind of stuff should make you really happy. So in the end, what does all this mean? I'm glad you asked. So let me first speak to those of you who have never committed your life to Jesus Christ. When you say yes to Jesus, you are saying he is the first fruit. He is the very best that God had to offer because he offered himself. And Jesus is the guarantee of a future resurrection. And he is the one who has the ability to make you holy before God. And so whatever you've done that's not so good, he offers himself as that sign to say you are forgiven. In fact, you, you're more than forgiven. You are released from punishment. Your sins are released by God, and he has now called you his child. You receive what you didn't deserve, and that's his grace at work. If you've never done that, I, I would invite you to make that decision to accept Jesus today. And if you don't want to come forward or obviously it is your you know you you're watching uh, uh, outline uh, some of you can send the notes uh, or, or talk to me after the worship but I'm telling you that hey God got you right where he wants you to be if you've already said yes to Jesus remember how the Israelites were to be separate from others because of their relationship with God you can't, you can't mingle with everybody. If you accepted Jesus, you got to separate yourself. And we're too much, uh, we, we too realize, must realize that we are a new creation and are to put off the old man and put on the new man. Are you following me? No, 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 no. When you get saved, you don't keep that old man. You got to take that old man off and put on the new man. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Ah, oh, you're looking at a new person. You look at somebody and tell them, say, I'm new from the inside out. Christ has made me new. Are you hearing me in here? In a sense, that's what the feast of first fruits should signify in our lives. In the same way that Israel set aside their harvest and consecrated it to God, we need to do the same. In Ephesians 4, Paul writes this. He says, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, 
and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in the true righteousness and holiness. You got to pull off your old self and you got to put on your new man. Can you say amen? See, what you understand is that God wants you to participate in your deliverance. God wants you to participate in you becoming right. He's saying that you got to pull it off. God said, I done already saved you. Now you got to walk in it by pulling it off. And then you got to put on the new man. Can you say amen? Then you say there are places that I used to go. I can't go those places no more. The things I used to say, I can't say those things anymore. The way I used to look, I don't look the same way. Why? Because I'm a new creation in Christ. You're looking at a new man or you're looking at a new woman. He has made me a type of first fruit that represents the rest of my life. So this is the new me, and I'm going to get better from here. I'm not going to get worse from here. I'm going to get better from here. Somebody shout that with me. I'm going to get better from here. I'm not going to get worse from here. I'm going to get better from here. I'm going up from here. I'm not going down from here. I'm going up from here. Why? Because I'm a new person in Christ. I'm a type of first fruit that represents the rest of my life. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Would you look down and tell everybody, I will get better from here. So our faith in Jesus, let me close this out. And the hope that we have in his resurrection should compel us to continue, give me about three minutes, to strive us to put on our new self in Christ. Uh, we don't do it alone. We can only do this through the grace and the power of God. And I want to say, I want to stop right here and make a statement that I thank God for his mercy. Because if it had not been for his mercy, the devil would have killed me a long time ago. But the Lord had mercy on me when I didn't know what I was doing. Can you say amen? Anybody here want to thank God for his mercy? Not only do I thank him for his mercy, I thank him for his grace. It was grace and mercy. Look at somebody say grace and mercy brought me to where I am right now. And I'm glad today that God had mercy on me and God had grace for me. So as we come to a close, some final thoughts of this. So the first represents the most valued. Say that with me. The first represents the most valued. See what you don't understand that the first represent the thing that you couldn't even see you were going to get. The first represent the big harvest that you could not see. Because if God would have showed you that first, it would have blew your mind and you would have ran off and thought you did it. But if God calls you to do what you did first, so it would represent the whole that God has for you. Can you say amen? It's like the first tomato that you will pick in your garden. Most of us can't wait to eat it. But imagine that instead of eating it yourself, you give it to God as an offering. 
knowing that it, this takes trust and belief that he will bless the rest of your tomato harvest. So don't worry about what folks say about you. When you give your first of your first, you already know it's going to affect your harvest. Huh? When you tell a neighbor, say, what you give from the first and the best is going to affect the rest of your harvest. Can you say amen? I'm going to have a harvest of a whole lot of tomatoes. Can you say amen? And so when, 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 when we really honor and revere God, it's not a burden to give him our best. The first of our first fruits, I'm telling y'all, it's not a burden, but it is a blessing. Say that with me, it's not a burden, it's a blessing. It becomes a joy and something we look forward to doing. If not, we'll end up giving God our leftovers. But when I bring my offer to God, when I sow unto God, it brings me joy. Because if I give, he promised that it's going to come back multiplied. Can you say amen? God deals in multiplication. He don't deal with one for one. He don't deal for two for two. God deals with multiplication. Look at somebody and say, I got something multiplied back to me. God is a multiplying God. He don't add, he multiplies. He don't give you one for one, he multiplies. I thank God for his multiplications. Can you say amen? So when I do what I do, he don't only bless me. He turned around and blessed my wife. Did he bless my children? Did he bless my grandchildren? He said, when I have integrity, it'll bless my children's children. So what I'm sowing today is going to bless my yesterday. It's going to bless my children of my children's children. I got to get a seed in the ground so it can bless my harvest. I am the first fruit. I'm a type of first fruit after the first fruit of Jesus, who was a great first fruit. Can you say amen? And because he died, I can live to face tomorrow. Can you shout glory? Yeah! Yeah, yeah! And so it becomes that joy. In the same way that our finances, with our offerings, we should have a desire to give back to God because he has so richly blessed us. Would you look around you and see how folks are so richly blessed? You say, Bishop, I don't have this, this, or this, or this. That don't mean you're not rich according to the stats of the entire world. If you got just a hundred dollars, you are richer than 87% of the entire world. You know you got more than a hundred dollars. That means you are rich on this earth. Y'all don't want to talk back to me, but God don't stop there. You got more than enough. You waste more from week to week. You waste more from year to year. That's why God keep replenishing you because you give your first fruit and you give your tithes and offering. He promised that if you would do it, I'll multiply you back. Can you say amen? Can I tell y'all something? Some of y'all got raises and bonuses, gifts and surprises uh, coming your way. Uh, it's about to my drop uh, right in your lap. Uh, 
because you have given and if you prove God's word God will turn around and prove to you that he is real and that he's a God that keeps his promises when you slap somebody high by and say he's a God that keeps his promise he's a promise keeping God I thank God for the promise that he made to my mama I thank God for the promise he made to my daddy. I thank God for the promise he made to my pastor years ago. I thank God for the promise he made to my grandparents. Now the promise is reaching to me. Can you say amen? Will you tell the name of God? Had forgot about you. He has a promise that's coming your way. He will fulfill the promise he made to your parents he made to your grandparents he will fulfill that promise can you say amen i'm glad today that those that my god thought that i would fail those that kicked me to the curb those that talked about me those that left me standing alone god picked me up now i'm gonna have the last seen the Israelites and as we were going through this it was definitely risky for them to offer the first of their harvest to God because they were doing it by faith who knew if they were would be there would be some more harvest come nobody knew they were doing it by faith you don't know what God got for you next week you don't know what God got for you next month but we're praying that the first represents the entire thing but in doing so, they were to learn faith and trust in God who have proven his faithfulness over and over again. 
So, for us, let us, and I know I said it before, this reminds us that we don't just give God the best, but we also give what? Give God our first. Saints of God, we've gone through four weeks of talking about first fruit. Now, at this church, you, you may not stay here. God may cause you to go somewhere else because you have another assignment. But you can never, ever say again that you never heard about first fruit teaching. These people thought it was so important that they had a feast over it. In other words, they were joyful about it. They were excited about it until they said, we're going to have a feast of first fruits. So everybody gather there first and we're going to bring it all together. We're going to have a feast over it. Now my first fruit might not be yours, yours may not be mine, but on bread by God, I'm bringing my first fruit. And I know we didn't say it this year, but next year, the first week of next year, I want you to bring your first fruit, whatever that may be. Whatever that may be. Whatever you say it is, you and God done already talked about it. You got a whole year to think about it. Bring your first fruit to the Lord. By principle, he showed us by example, by giving all he had. What was he, what did all he have? He gave his life. He became the first fruit of mankind. He gave all he had by giving his life. Y'all know what I'm looking at? I'm looking at some blessed people up in here. I am. I'm looking at some blessed people up in here. I'm so glad I'm connected with you. Because now watch this. Now you can talk about what I talked about, but watch this. This is this proof. First day tonight, we agreed on this. The people that have been practicing the principle of first fruits, just about every week, somebody that's practicing first fruit, they're getting another first fruit. <laughs> then they come back again the next week, they got a... Next month or next week, they got another first fruit they want to give. I'm telling you what I know. The people here that have been practicing first fruits, he put the emphasis on this. God give them another first fruit right behind that one. They sold effort, then God give them another first fruit right behind that one. Well, what you mean, Bishop? i.e. a raise or bonus or something like that they know that they never had before and they, they give that first fruit then they go my God got turned right around and the Lord them bless them with another first fruit now, I'm telling you what I know they ain't making this up so now you do what you got to do with the teaching that you receive hallelujah I know what I do I know what my first lady do hallelujah Praise be unto God. Dr. Wilcox always say, 
I just don't know about you, huh? He said, I don't know why y'all so good to us. I ain't never had nobody be this good to me. Hallelujah. Well, see, he gets the blessing because of connection. <laughs> Hallelujah. Before that, Bishop Reed got the blessing, but he, he left my life. I'm going to join him one day up in heaven. But uh, somebody else moved right on in that spot. Hallelujah. And it just does me joy just to put a smile on here and, and, and uh, Lady Ann's face when we meet them and greet them. Hallelujah. Because they are spiritual parents. Now I know some of you all, y'all are older men here. Amen. I know that. But if, if you hear under our banner, hallelujah, we have just become your spiritual parents. Watch this. We're past the board, spiritual parents. And when you go over there, we got some, some grand grandchildren over there. Amen. That's, that's, that's how it is. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you all something. When you got obedient kids, you don't have no problem with blessing them. Some of you all have been obedient. You, really, you don't really need them, but if you did uh, get between checks or whatever like that, God going to make sure that you are taken care of. I, I know first night we can't help everybody, but we don't help a lot of somebodies. We don't help a lot of somebodies. Did you hear what I say? A lot of somebodies. Can't help everybody, but we don't help a lot of somebody. Well, you ain't never helped me. Well, maybe you ain't need it. Or maybe you didn't ask. Maybe I didn't know the need. Because I might know somebody that can help you. See, there's always somebody that knows somebody. I might not be to somebody, but I know somebody. Hallelujah. Well, I know somebody that knows somebody. <laughs> to get you what you need. I pray that the winning church have a feast of first fruits. You know, I feel like Paul. He said, not that I have a need or want of anything. But just to see your faith in the word that blesses me. So your faith has got to be in God's word. Now, you know been here pastoring one church uh, going on 32 years. One church 
pastor one church. Been in ministry 39 years. Coming on 40. It'll be 40. May, I think. May. So, let me see. 30, 32, 40. We've never had no scandals. Heard me about no women problems. Hallelujah. You ain't heard about me having no homosexual problem either. The devil is a liar. <laughs> Y'all keep that foolishness. God said that was abomination. I ain't listen. Go on with that. No secret in the closet foolishness going on. I'm going to tell you something. We love Jesus over here. Did you hear what I say? We love Jesus over here. Oh, this part. You never heard me about stealing no money either in 32 years. I don't understand. You, some of y'all help me. I understand how they say preachers steal money from the church. If, if you're really doing your job right, if you needed something, all you can do is ask them. You ain't got to steal it. They'll give it to you. Hallelujah. Go ahead and check my record. All the way back when I was a child. Record is clean. No arrests. No tickets. What? That's right. See, y'all, y'all ain't believing this in now. See, my children had some, but I ain't had none. Amen. I think my wife had one, but they lied on her though. That was that was that was way back in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Trying to take the kids to school or something like that. And the man pulled over for some nonsense. But that right there, she don't play that. Slow down. You, you're going too fast. We went we went to Atlanta uh, yesterday to the new uh, Costco up there to, to offer exit 222. You don't want me to tell her. Slow down. It's rainy. Slow down. You're going too fast. So, woman, how long I've been driving you? Ain't never been in no wreck. With, I ain't never wrecked you in all these years I've been driving you. I know I got precious cargo in the car. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I'm saying that what we teach you we practice. I ain't got no time, as, as you say when I was coming, I ain't got no time to be shucking and jiving. Huh? They got new words now. I forget, Jared's told me the new word. I don't forget what it was. Hallelujah. But we ain't got time for all that. 
Amen. It's God first. Everybody standing.